Welcome. You are here again. Welcome. Salutations. I hope you had a great day. Hope uh, everything's going well for you. You are now listening to Wrestling with Worldwide Willis. Yes, sir. And this podcast is brought to you by the League of Melanated Gentlemen Podcast Network. Go check that out. Um, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your cousins, brothers, sisters, everybody. You know, shoot it out to everybody. And uh, hopefully they can take a listen. Today, folks, we have a, a packed episode. We're going to touch on a bunch of different things, jumping from AEW to New Japan to WWE. We're going to jump around a little bit. So uh, we should have some fun. You know, you know how it goes. You know, you know how it goes around here. Matches of the week. My first match of the week is New Japan. I will, I'll touch on what I, you know, I've been digging into the G1 cl- uh, Climax uh, Tournament. And this is my first time really diving into the G1 Climax Tournament. It's kind of, it, for those that don't know, that's a tournament they have every year in New Japan. It's very like, it's like prestige of prestige. It's like the World Cup of wrestling low-key. It really is. Like, and so they do this every year. It's, it's, it's low-key like the AAU of wrestling. It's really dope if you really enjoy wrestling because um, it's really just about, you know, in the ring uh, stuff. So, Excuse me. Our first match was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Alex Coughlin. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Alex Coughlin. Man, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Alex Coughlin. Alex Coughlin was a fun match, man. Like, so I was clicking around. I was on YouTube, whatever. I subscribed to New Japan Wrestling on YouTube. And thankfully, they've pretty much posted, I won't say all every match, but they've posted a lot of the highlights of every match and sometimes even the highlights show the full match which is really cool which i appreciate and so this one i saw i was like let me check this out i I like zach saber jr i'm a big fan of his so i was like let me check this out and man i'm glad i did it was it was a good time man um two contrasting styles uh zach saber jr for those that don't know um i think he's from the uk uh, is, has been over in New Japan doing a really good job. I think he's their strong champion, holds the belt over there. And, man, Zack Sabre Jr. is like the technical wizard, bro. Like, he makes some of these guys who we think over here who are really technically sound, he makes them look, you know, less, you know, less than. Like, dude is the one. The fun thing I love about Zack Sabre Jr., and I talked about him in our wrestling matches of the week a few, few, few episodes ago uh, when Forbidden Door, when it was in that four-way match with, you know, a few other people, including, uh, I think it was Tanahashi. I think it was um, uh, Orange Cassidy and Daniel Garcia. It was, a, it was a really fun match. But like I touched on then, Zack Sabre Jr. is the technical wizard, but he's fun to watch, right? Like, we all know, like, sometimes it isn't fun to just watch a, you know, I might think it's fun. But, like, the casual fan might not think it's fun to watch the guy who's doing, you know, ankle locks, you know, uh, he hits your arm. So the rest of the match, he's like focusing, he's hitting your arm with 93 different moves. Like some people aren't entertained by that. But Zach Zach Sabre Jr. does it so well, so fluidly, so smooth with it. And he has like, he's a really good talker too. So he talks shit while he's doing it. But yeah, it's just really entertaining to watch. Like there's not many, that's that's a gift of his. Like there's not many people out here who you really want to watch all the time when they're a technical guy. You know what I mean? William Regal was great, but people weren't paying tickets to, to come see William Regal. No offense to the guy. He was outstanding, but 
Um, Zach Sabre Jr. has a little more charisma to him, a little more, you know what I mean? And um, and Alex Coughlin, I'm new to this guy. This is my first introduction. I kind of see highlights, but like, and, and he looked impressive, but i never seen a match. And man, I'm glad I, I checked this out because like Alex Coughlin, if you think of like, uh, think of like a guy with Austin Theory's build, but way more uh, grounded in his wrestling style. Like he, he doesn't do like a lot of the athletic stuff that uh, Austin Theory does, but he, Alex Coughlin actually uses his physical stature. You know what I mean? Austin Theory sometimes doesn't use that, that big swole body he has. He's usually jumping around doing all kind of athletic stuff, which he's great at. Um, but Alex Coughlin, like, most of his move, offensive moves are based on power, based on strength. Like, it was some stuff he was doing with Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. is not a small guy. Zack Sabre Jr. is not a cruiserweight by any means. He's kind of like a light light heavyweight. And, man, Coughlin, dude, I'm looking here, six foot 205. He looks about 225. But dude was throwing around Zack Sabre Jr. whenever he got offense in. His German suplexes look great. Uh, his power, like, yeah, and I love about New Japan, like, their German suplexes are, and it's kind of made its way over in the States, too, but their German suplexes are, like, a dead, a deadlift German suplex. You know what I'm saying? Like, in, the, in WWE, a lot of times, it's, in the United States, a lot of times, you know, the German suplex is like, okay, I got you. Okay, when I lift, the dude jumps with me. And it kind of, it looks cool, but, like, in New Japan, a lot of times, it's like, nah. Like, the dude, Zack Sabre Jr., sometimes was, like, on the ground, face face down on the ground and Alex Coughlin walk up, grab him, put his arms around his waist and like dead lift him all the way up and then all the way down over him uh, for a German suplex. And it just, it looks way more impressive. You know what I mean? Especially for a powerful guy like that. So that match was just, it was fun to watch, man. Like it was the dudes beating the hell out of each other. Two dudes who were really talented as far as wrestling is concerned. And it was just fun to watch. Uh, Zach Sabre Jr. came out with the win. He really focused on Alex Coughlin's arm throughout the match and had a bunch of different holds for him and eventually got the, uh, the arm bar, and that was pretty much the it for him. But really good match. Both of them put on a show. Uh, it was really fun to watch. And it was a really good, like, introduction for me as someone who's kind of newer to New Japan, trying to really dive into New Japan culture and the G1 Classic. And I had always heard about it, but I was kind of – you know, it's fun to get this a great match as your first introduction to this whole big historic thing. Um, next one was Athena versus uh, Willow Nightingale, Willow Nightingale, and that was for the ROH uh, Women's Championship, and that was really fun too. Willow Willow Nightingale, I, I, that's one of my favorite women's wrestlers in AEW. I think Jamie Hayter is my favorite, and then Willow is probably second. You know what I mean? Willow, bigger girl, really athletic, uh, has a lot of charisma, and is really good in the ring. Like, and she's a workhorse. Like, girl, be like homegirl, be wrestling on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, then the next Monday. Like, she be she be out here. She be collecting them checks. So good for her. But uh, yeah, Athena. For those that don't know, Ember Moon, who used to be in NXT, in WWE, and NXT, she jumped up and went to WWE. You know, main roster, but her main that people know her from is from Ember Moon in NXT. She was a great champion there. And, uh, but as Athena in AEW, she's been killing it, right? She was, she's always champion, a uh, women's champion. So she was defending her title against Willow. 
and she came out with a victory. Really fun match between those two. It's always great to see two black women going up against each other in a wrestling match, especially for a championship. Like, it was just dope to see. But uh, they lived up to the bill. Really good match. Really fun. I think Athena low-key is, like, might be the best women's champion we have, like, in wrestling right now. You know what I'm saying? We got Rhea Ripley. We got Asuka. We got a few. We got uh, Tony Storm as a women's champion in AEW. But, like, Athena can hang with anybody. You know what I mean? And she's – I just really like what she's doing right now. And uh, she kind of fell off there for a bit, but I'm glad to see she's getting appreciated uh, again. So, uh, my next one, just to finish out, is the Alpha Academy versus uh, the Viking Raiders. Alpha Academy is one of the, like, underrated – like uh, over groups right now. So like, as we all know, LA Knight is over as hell with the crowd right now. Like he's the guy, the crowd is, anytime his music hits, they love him. But what people aren't noticing as much is like Alpha Academy is slowly building um, a fan base. So they've kind of already had a fan base because people love Otis. Uh, People love Maxine Dupree. Well, she's kind of newer, but she's, People really like her and really like the gimmick she's doing with the um, Alpha Academy. But, like, people have always respected Chad Gable. Like, it's funny. I'll be sending clips to my friends about Chad Gable. Just I'll be just nerding out on Chad Gable stuff. Like, you know, if you know me, you know I love a German suplex, and that's, like, his finishing move. And, like, when he did it to Braun Strowman, I sent that out to a bunch of my friends and all this stuff. So he did a really beautiful um, move where – the Viking Raiders guy, forget my dude's name. I think it was Ivar. Ivar is pinning somebody, and Chad Gable's on the on the top ropes. He does a backflip, lands on Ivar, and then immediately picks Ivar up. Ivar's like three hundred something pounds. Picks Ivar up, German suplex. So it was like his finisher is usually where he gets him, uh, wraps him up for the German, runs him into the turnbuckle or the side turnbuckle uses that more momentum to then go backwards, roll over, and then hit you with a German suplex. But in this case, did a backflip onto a Ivar, who was pinning uh, Otis, picked him up, hit him with the German. It was beautiful, beautiful stuff, bro. Chad Gable is amazing. I'm really hoping, I'm loving what they're doing at Alpha, Alpha Academy. Like, push that as far as it can go, right? I think they might need to be the the tag champions uh, in a minute. And if they can really continue this momentum with Maxine Dupree, who knows? Maybe have her eventually challenge Rhea. You know what I mean? Going on a little program with Rhea. That'd be cool. Pe- the people, they really love Rhea. But I think the internet is starting to, as they always do, they wanted Rhea to beat Charlotte because they were tired of Charlotte. Now Rhea got the title and they're tired of Rhea. It's like these people don't can't make up their minds. But I would like to see an Alpha Academy versus the Judgment Day. Like that's a fun, just to think of like, Maxine Dupree, think of Dom, Dom, and uh, think of Rhea and all these different dynamics. Chad Gable doing, thank you, like all that stuff. That's funny. So, um, but Alpha Academy versus Viking Raiders, really good. Their rivalry has been really cool to see. So, yeah, shout out to them. Really good job. Those are our matches of the week. Again, Zach Sabre Jr. versus Alex Coughlin. um, Athena versus Willow Nightingale. And then Alpha Academy versus the Viking. Raiders. All right. The big news coming out of last week was my boy Dom Dom, Dominique Mysterio, out here getting titles. My boy won the North American Championship. 
he had the internet going crazy. My man had the internet on fire, bro. Uh, last Tuesday, he won the NXT North American Championship, which is basically like the equivalent of winning the Intercontinental Championship on the main roster, right? In NXT, the North American title is that's given to like the workhorse. That's given to the the guy who we think has potential to be the main guy, but you know, for now, he has the North American title. There's been a lot of really good champions. He beat Wes Lee, who arguably could be the greatest NXT North American champion ever, right? He had a lot of title defenses, and all of them were great matches, like no duds. So, um, and yeah, I just think, you know, Dom, I thought it was just a great decision. Some people didn't like it. Some people don't like the thought of a main roster guy going down to NXT and beating an NXT guy coming up for a title. Some people don't like that. Personally, I don't see it that way. To me personally, I see it as a, it's a win for everybody. It's a win for Dominic Mysterio. Obviously like dude is extremely popular. Like, like not in a good, like the fans hate him. He boo, he gets booed every time he speaks or every time he's seen, but that's in a good way. Like dude has heat, you know, and he generates eyeballs which is what the WWE cares about. And so the smart thing, the smart thing they did was go, okay, we got this guy who's young, who didn't ever touch NXT. He went straight to the main roster during the pandemic. And he's over as hell as far as heat goes. He's one of the best heels they have in the co- in the company right now. Why don't we drop him down, win a belt? Because he ain't. The cool thing is everybody knows Dom isn't good enough to win a championship on the main roster. He ain't beaten. Gunther for the Intercontinental title. You know what I'm saying? He ain't his best chance is a tag title, maybe. But like he ain't beating Seth Rollins for the heavyweight title. So like it was cool to see a guy who we all know Dominique Mysterio. He dramatizes everything that happens to him, right? Dude, he I think he went to a county jail for like 30 minutes and he's had this whole gimmick that he went to prison and he survived in prison. He's a tough guy. You know what I'm saying? Like just like that. Like taking a small instance and making it 10 times worse. The cool thing about giving him the title of the North American championship is, Hey, the North American title is great. Like I love it, but like in the grand scheme of things, that's like the, you know, seventh or eighth best title in WWE right now. But with putting it on Dominic Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio is going to act like he just won. He just, he's going to act like he just beat Roman Reigns for the undisputed title. That's how he's going to act. You know, so it's just funny to see him carrying it around like he's some big time champion when he had to cheat to win the title against Wesley. The Judgment Day was there and helped him out. Uh, I think it was Rhea, Finn and uh, Damian Priest helped him out. You know what I mean? So it was just I think it was just smart. I think for Wesley, oh, oh, for NXT's purposes, NXT had one of his biggest view, like view, biggest ratings uh, in a few years as far as that episode where Dominic won the world, uh, the North American title, like the ratings pop because of that. So that was smart. That's a win for them. For Wes Lee, I think it's great because uh, I think American great American bash is their next NXT's next pay-per-view. And so Dominic is going to be a part of that. So that means more eyeballs. That means you're probably going to have a sellout uh, for that event. And Dominique's going to defend his title against Wes Lee. You know what I mean? I could see Wesley beating him, but I could very well see Dom winning again, you know, so who knows? But 
I just think it was a super, super smart booking decision by Shawn Michaels and Triple H. It's just, and I love the the, the fluidity they've had with the NXT roster and the main roster. A lot of main roster guys are flowing down to NXT, having some beef with some guys and then leaving. Like, to me, that's cool. Like, my biggest issue back with, and during the Vince era was Vince act like NXT didn't exist. Vince would low-key act like Raw like raw superstars had to act like SmackDown didn't uh, exist. You know what I mean? It was just stupid. It was like you're traveling together. Some of these people are husbands and wives that are separate on separated on different shows. Like it should be, it should be fluid. It should be, you know, that backstage, it should be fluid, man. It's a bunch of robberies going on. So if I'm walking around, it's just like there's no lunchroom as kids, right? Like if I'm walking around, I'm going to bump into different people who's having different situations in their life going on, different beefs, different uh, struggles they're going through, right? So like you're mingling with everybody. And so during the Vince era, they acted like they never they acted like everybody sat in their locker rooms by themselves, never interacted with each other. And that was it. Whereas Triple H is like, no, nah, that's not that's not realistic. You know what I'm saying? And so I love how he's having people mingle around, jump from different things. If you're not relevant uh, at the time on the, on the main roster, okay, let's bring you down to NXT for a few episodes, get you some more TV time. Like, that's just smart. You know what I mean? So, uh, and it keeps, it doesn't keep anybody, it keeps everybody fresh. So Dom winning the North America title, I think it's unbelievable. It's genius to me. People were having a problem with it. I think it's genius. Wesley, will, I think, will win it back. So, you know. But overall, really good, really happy with that. That was like the news of last week. Um, I've kind of talked about the G1 Classic, the G1 Climax um, in New Japan Wrestling. Apparently, this thing has been happening for a long, long, long time, right? This has historical precedence to it. Uh, it's sort of like, you know, there's this, it's kind of like March Madness, but for wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a big ass tournament that happens. They they keep points. The cool thing about I do want to give people context. And New Japan New Japan treats wrestling more like a sport, whereas WWE treats it more like entertainment. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. New Japan understands storytelling. They have long form storytelling. They have characters. They have all that. Right? They don't have dudes just wrestling for no reason. However, they treat it as if, like when you win a championship there. It's confetti falls. They give you a little trophy like you won the World Cup. They put the championship belt on you. You know what I mean? It's a ceremony. Uh, when you get done with a match, there's people on the side, sort of like a boxing match. And like if you get done with a match, and you come out and you're sore. OK, there's a guy running up to you with an ice bag, putting it on your head, helping you carry you out. You know what I mean? Very like boxing type of vibes. You know what I mean? So I just love that they take it to that extent. You know what I mean? Selling that this is we understand this is a uh, formulated like a choreographed dance, a choreographed combat. But we also understand like real shit happens in the ring sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And dudes be battling, put their bodies on the line. So that's what I really love and respect about New Japan. Um, but yeah, with the G1 Classic, I'm really climax. I keep calling it the G1 Classic, but G1 Climax. I'm really loving, like, I, I was watch, looking at the website, and, like, if you lose a match, you get deducted points. Uh, there's, like, it's almost like watching the Olympics, low-key. It's like you have different uh, different areas where you uh, 
like you match up with somebody and you're in this like little, you know, so there's like six people in a pod. They wrestle each other. Whoever wins out of that pod then advances. It's very convoluted, but I kind of like it that way. Like it's very, you can tell, like they take it very seriously, which I like. And so I'm really just loving it. Honestly, I just love the, the spectacle of it. I love that, like, at the end of the whole thing, like, you know someone earned that championship or earned the right to win it. And it's it, from what I've seen in the past, I think I'm pretty sure Kenny Omega won it one year. Like, not many American-born people have – when American-born wrestlers have won the G1. Uh, and they take it very seriously when someone – who's who's American born does win it. Like they let you know, okay, this doesn't happen very often, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. Honestly, I just wanted to, you know, bring it to the forefront for those who don't necessarily watch it. Like the G1 climax is really fun. You can just follow new Japan wrestling on YouTube. If you just want to watch wrestling randomly, right. If you don't necessarily want to watch the whole stories and all this stuff, you just want to watch two people wrestle. Uh, look uh, look it up on YouTube really fun really fun and you might catch somebody that you really like and that you can follow from that point on so yeah uh, really fun G1 Climax I'm excited to keep watching it you know what I'm saying it's been a good time Um, I did want to touch on AEW for a sec so so as we talked about before AEW Collision started about uh, maybe it might be like a month or two old now Right. It started this past summer. It's a AEW collision is a, you know, weekly television show that happens on um, Saturday nights, which is kind of different. Right. Like that's kind of old school, like back in the 80s. Um, I'm pretty sure I don't think the 90s, but I'm pretty sure the 80s, early 90s, like wrestling and maybe even before that wrestling came on on Saturday nights. You know what I'm saying? People would like gather around. It was like a whole thing. You know, that it wasn't like on Monday Night Raw. It wasn't no Wednesdays. It wasn't Thursdays. It was Saturday nights. It was wrestling. And AW Collision gives gives me those vibes. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, bro, they've been killing it. They've been killing it. Like, I, at first, I was worried because I was like, okay, you already have AEW Dynamite, which comes on every Wednesday. And then you have AEW Rampage, which comes on every Friday. And I'm like, you want to add a third show? A weekly, like WWE doesn't even do what well, WWE has Monday Night Raw, Tuesday uh, has NXT, and then Friday it has SmackDown. But NXT is with a totally different roster. I mean, all of them are separated, but I mean, you know, I don't see WWE even thinking about doing a fourth, um, a fourth weekly show, and they have the roster to do it easily. And so, and the means, obviously. So I was a little worried about AEW extending to doing three uh, shows a week. I was just like, I don't know. I'm not sure, uh, especially with attendance not being the greatest. But honestly, AEW is kind of on a comeback right now um, due to the M- MJF, Adam Cole dynamic. That's getting fans popping. The whole the elite Kenny Omega kind of shining again, kind of being at the forefront of everything. That's big for him. CM Punk coming back. That's big for him. You know what I mean? And and he's kind of been the the head person as far as collision, right? Like back in the day, you know, AEW, you know, back in the day, WWE Raw was built around Stone Cold. It was built around what was Stone Cold going to do? Who's Stone Cold in a beef with? You know, all those things. 
And that's kind of what AEW, AEW Collision is right now on Saturday nights. It's built around CM Punk. And the cool thing is the rest of the roster on, on Collision is amazing, bro. Samoa Joe, uh, FTR, you know, uh, a lot of guys. And they haven't separated the rosters between Dynamite and Rampage. But they and sometimes they bring the guys who are on Rampage or I'm sorry, who are on Dynamite on Wednesdays, like the Big Fish, obviously, Adam Cole, MJF. Um, Adam, well, not really Adam Page, but uh, some of the big fish there outside of the elite, they show up on Collision too. Ricky Starks, you know, guys like that. And so it hasn't, it hasn't felt like due to adding a third show uh, during the week, it doesn't feel like AEW Collision is diluted in any way. It actually feels kind of enhanced, right? Dynamite and Rampage are all right, but like Collision feels like, ooh, okay, you you guys, Tony Khan is really feels a way about this really wants to present this in a certain way and so you can tell by just the 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 layout and everything it just looks really good it looks like you know the show looks important and uh, not to mention the booking and uh yeah i'm just really happy now that we have it on saturday nights you know what i'm saying saturday nights for me i'm not a type of guy that goes out you know what i mean and and so to catch you know wrestling coming on at 7 p.m like all right let me check it out you know what I'm saying? Um, so I would advise those who just want to, you know, have some time on a Saturday night, check out AEW Collision. I believe it's on TNT. Pretty sure. Um, so, yeah. some I did want to touch on some of my underrated AEW wrestlers. I feel like I may have not shouted out before. Uh, Daniel Garcia. My man Daniel Garcia be my boys from New York. Kind of play, does that like, I forgot what they call it, the drill music in New York. I know it's in, obviously, that came from Chicago, but, you know, uh, New York has its own style of drill music. But that's basically his theme is drill music. And, bro, like, one of his main things, dancing, is hilarious. Like, look it up on YouTube. Daniel Garcia is pretty funny. Um, but the cool thing about Daniel Garcia is he can really wrestle, too. Like, he's really good. Uh, he used to be the pure uh, Ring of Honor champion. Like, if you're a pure Ring of Honor champion, I mean, you can really wrestle. Um, the House of Black, I'll kind of touch on that later, but I love for those, I think it's Malachi Black now, Alistair Black for those who were, you know, knew him in NXT and WWE, um, really love watching him. The Fade to Black is one of my favorite moves of all time. Uh, it's just, it's a kick that actually looks good. And, you know, some of these finishing, I saw a finishing kick the other day, a lady did in NXT that was garbage. So I love to see an actual kick that looks, you know, amazing. And uh, Malachi Black's Fade to Black is one of the top ones. Um, Bullet Club Gold, I've talked about it. The Bang Bang Gang is, they killing it, bro. Like Juice, <laughs> um, what is his nickname? I forgot. But basically Juice Robinson, man, love that guy. Dude's entertaining as hell. And then Jay White is just a superstar. Like Pat said last week, dude just looks like a star. He speaks like a star. He got that that England British accent. He he's a great promo dude. Just looks like a star. His finishing move, the sling blade. Uh, for those that don't know what the sling blade, it's basically Sister Abigail, what Bray Wyatt used to do. Um, that's his finisher, and it looks really good. Um, so yeah, man, the Bang Bang Game, Bullet Club Gold, amazing. Honestly, low key might buy a t shirt. Might grab some merch. Uh, I've always loved Bullet Club. Bullet Club. I always love the T-shirts, but now I actually like know the characters in the Bullet Club. 
I think it's I think they're killing it. I'm really excited to see who else they add to the Bullet Club too. Um, and then lastly, yeah, those are those are our guys. So Daniel Garcia, House of Black, the uh, AEW Trio Champions, um, and then Bullet Club Gold. Really, they are underrated, kinda like they're in the forefront, but. You know, they don't get the CM Punk love. They don't get the MJF love, the Adam Cole, things of that nature. So really wanted to shout them out. Now, we are moving on to WWE. We've had some developments lately. Boy, Bobby Lashley came back. He's been doing a little bit of, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, politicking. And people are wondering if he's possibly putting back together the Hurt Business. And me and Pat touched on a little bit last week, but um, yeah, the Hurt Business, if, for those that don't know, the Hurt Business was a faction during the pandemic era of uh, WWE. It was basically a faction of Black men who dress well, who dress to the T. Bobby Lashley led them. MVP was like their mouthpiece. He was kind of the Paul Heyman of the group. You had show... Uh, Cedric Alexander and uh, Shelton Benjamin, kind of the flanking as the tag team. You got to have a tag team in your, in your stable. You know what I mean? And those guys killed it, bro. Robbie Lashley was the world champion for a while. Shelton Benjamin and uh, Cedric Alexander were the tag team champions for a minute. And there's a, bro, there's a clip on YouTube. I forgot what was happening. I want to say there was like a brawl going on with a bunch of dudes. Uh, what's, what is that failed faction that came up with? that um, Mustafa Ali was the leader of, was it Regression? I forgot. Well, I forgot what their name was, but it was like 18 of them. It was like 18 of them in that faction. They was beating people up in the ring. And I think, uh, I think the, the general manager forgot my guy's name, Adam Pierce, Adam Pierce. He basically was, he basically hired, because the hurt business is basically work for hire. Like they're they if you if you pay them the right amount of money, they will hurt somebody for you. That's why they call it the hurt business. And so basically, Adam Pierce paid the hurt business to you know take care of this this big faction. Mustafa Ali is is uh, leading because they're they're messing up shows. They jump out there jumping dudes. They're throwing everything off. And bro, there's a YouTube. It'll show it, bro. They the interest music hits. All four of them walk out there in suits. They start taking their stuff off, start beating the hell out of like 16 different people. Right. It was fire. It looked really good. And so what we're people are so excited about is recently um, Bobby Lashley got out of his like nice little uh, SUV. You know, I always got to have a black SUV. That's like standard in wrestling and he hops out with a suit. And who's waiting for him? The Street Profits. Street Profits, you know what I mean? One of the most beloved tag teams in the business right now. Uh, two black men, for those that don't know. Um, and they're waiting for him. And he's like, yo, my gosh, yo, what up? And, like, they don't really go too into detail to the conversation. They don't follow it that much. But they give you enough to where it's like, okay, y'all did this for a reason. Like, y'all knew, y'all know what we want. We want the Hurt Business back. And you're giving us, you're teasing us a little bit. And then... Uh, I think it was an episode later. I think it was on SmackDown or this past Raw. Um, he's then talking to Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, who are from NXT. Carmelo Hayes is the current NXT uh, men's champion. Trick Williams is like his uh, right-hand man. And uh, Bobby Lashley shows up, starts talking to them. 
And we're like, all right, bro. Triple H. So I'm like, y'all playing with me. Like, y'all playing with me. The Hurt Business, honestly, the Hurt Business may go down. If they don't go back up, if they don't uh, create the Hurt Business again, bro, the Hurt Business is one of the more underrated factions ever. They got broke up prematurely, but, bro, they was killing it in the pandemic era. I know a lot of people didn't get to see it due to they didn't want to watch, you know, the pandemic era of wrestling without crowds. But, bro, they were doing a thing. They were killing it. Bobby Lashley was a, looked amazing. That's kind of when his rejuvenation started, right? And the Hurt Business really helped with that. MVP was a key player in that. And, man, like, if they can hit on that and then add that, no offense to Cedric uh, Alexander or Shelton Benjamin, uh, Shelton Benjamin will be a Hall of Famer one day. But Street Profits is just, that's a level up. You know what I'm saying? That's a, a Hall of Fame level tag team in itself. So if you upgrade from Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin to the Street Profits, that's a win. That's a big time win. You know what I'm saying? That's a steal any day. And then if you can get a guy like Carmelo Hayes, who's going to be the next, you know, superstar in the main roster. Um, and then Trick Williams, who has very, very high potential. Um, that's a win, bro. And so, and then if they can somehow get MVP back in line, back with, you know, the hurt business and keep Omos the fuck away. I won't, I don't want to see Omos on my television screen. Do not, I, I repeat, do not put Omos in the hurt business, bro. I will riot. He is garbage. I'm tired of people trying to defend his big ass. He is trash. He is awful. Like, I don't understand why we do this. I understand he is black. I love my all my black men and women out there. I love you. But some of us can't do stuff, right? It's okay. It's okay. We don't have to push it just because he's big. We don't have to say he's talented when he's not. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to say he has this amazing potential when he really doesn't. Omos is garbage. There's a reason why he's been pushed. There's a reason why. They put him on WrestleMania matches just for shock value, for visual, you know, visual value. And then from that WrestleMania to the next WrestleMania, he gets no matches, no TV time, nothing, no moments, nothing. There's a reason for that because he's not good. So we need to stop. Okay, that's my rant. I'm sorry. I get frustrated when people try to, you know, big up Omos like that. But I'm hoping they separate MVP from Omos. Like, hopefully he doesn't have to be his manager anymore. Bring in MVP back to the Hurt Business, where you have MVP, Bobby Lashley, the Street Profits, Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams together. Bro, they're going to smash anybody. Anybody. They would give the bloodline a run for their money. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm I just really excited for what they're doing. Um, I, I don't, I, they've teased us before. I will say that they've teased, they've teased the Hurt Business being reunited a few times, but it's never come through. And so I'm hoping now that Triple H is here, he understands the value of the Hurt Business. He understands the value of having an all black faction who's not about, you know, I love my black folks again, but we're not, we're not raising our fists. We're not protesting. No, this is just black folks. Uh, black men wearing suits, dressed to the nines, and we're we're beating people's ass for hire, right? If you wanna, if you got a problem with somebody, if you know, if the if um, shit, if I'm trying to think of somebody who would pay them, but like if you know, 
Rey Mysterio is getting his ass whooped by the Judgment Day. Drake can go walk up to the Hurt Business and be like, hey, man, let me slide you some bands. I need you to handle something for me. Judgment Day over here talking crazy. Dom Dom still talking crazy to, to his daddy. I need y'all to help help me out. And then the Hurt Business be like, bet, say less. And then they beat the brakes off of Judgment Day. Like, that's what I want to see. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm really excited for what's going on. We'll see how it develops and all that. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That really got me excited. Bobby Lashley and the Hurt Business the new Hurt Business reuniting. That'd be dope. Um, next, we have kind of the biggest question right now in wrestling as far as the main roster in SummerSlam. Is Jay Uso going to dethrone Roman Reigns as the undisputed champion and the t- tribal chief, the tribal chief of the bloodline? Now, we've it's funny because I read I, like watching, reading Twitter, whatever the hell we're going to call this moving forward, X or whatever the hell Elon Musk is doing, reading that social media platform, I'm seeing people go, oh, yeah, it got to be Jay. It didn't need, it didn't, I don't, I didn't, like, it was people at Wrestle, around WrestleMania time that were like, it shouldn't be Cody, it should be Jay who, you know, beats Roman. And I always thought in my head, that doesn't really make sense to me, right? That doesn't, like, no offense to Jay. I like Jay. Jay has leveled his game up. Big time, starting from the pandemic. Again, I have a whole, I should do a whole podcast about how the pandemic era of wrestling helped us get to the point we are today. Um, And I'll touch on that one day. But Jay started his ascension to main event Uso, main event Jay Uso during the pandemic with Roman Reigns and joining the bloodline and all that stuff. But I still, I can't see it, bro. You can't, to me, you got to think. Business-wise, I think so many fans are so fickle and so, like, moment, moment-to-moment fans instead of thinking – and maybe because, like, for those that don't know, like, my dream job is to be a producer, to be a person who creates uh, movies, TV shows, and, like, I don't want to be the director, but I want to have a macro view of how things should go, how the story should go. Kevin Feige-level job, right? That's, that's basically the dream job for me is Kevin Feige's job. Um, he's not in there directing or writing each movie, but he has his hands in everything and he understands the story and is, is aligning everything to go a certain way. So what I mean by that is, you know, I just, if I'm thinking from Triple H's perspective, I'm thinking, okay, I've, I've, Roman Reigns has had this belt since 2020, right? Has not been defeated in a singles match for this belt since 2020. And you're telling me, how do I sell that to the networks? How do I sell that to the the person who's just showing up, who hasn't been a fan for three years, who hasn't followed the story, but just watches SummerSlam and goes, wait, you're telling me Jay Uso is supposed to be this beat this guy? You're telling me this guy's the GOAT? Well, you're telling me Jay Uso gonna beat him? Like if I'm if I'm sitting from a producer level, I'm going no. Like I'm not gonna have Jay. It's just like Sammy, Sammy Zayn. I love Sammy, but Sammy cannot beat Jay. Like you can't convince me that would ever happen. So like to me, if we're gonna end this historical run as a champion, the greatest championship run as a champion ever, honestly, you know, with Roman Reigns. You can't have him lose Jey Uso. It just don't sound right. Like, if we're, if we're reading the history books 15 years from now, 
we're gonna be like, oh shit, he beat Edge, Drew McIntyre, uh, John Cena, Seth Rollins, um, you know, Cody Rhodes, Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, I could go on, on, and on, and on, and on, and on, but then he lost to Jay Uso. Nah, at SummerSlam, not even at WrestleMania. Nah, like, come on, like, what are we doing here? I, I just think. If you're thinking with a business mindset, you know Roman Reigns is going to beat the dog out of Jey Uso and keep his championship. Because I think they're going to eventually do run it back with Cody and Roman at uh, at WrestleMania 40 um, in Detroit. But a lot of these people are like emotion, all emotions. They're like, bro, they was doing this every time he defended his title. First, it was shit. First, it was uh, Finn Balor. Then it was Sammy. Then it was Drew. Well, then it was Drew. Then it was then it was Sammy. Then it was Cody. You know what I mean? They just every time they're trying to make a case for why he why this next person should be the person to defeat him, just because they're hot at that moment. And I'm like, y'all aren't understanding the big picture. The reason they're hot is because they're going against Roman Reigns. That is why they're hot. That is why they are at peak popularity, is because they are on the island of relevancy, as uh, Paul Heyman would say. So to me, Heyman, respect. Jay Uso, you've killed it, bro. You should honestly be on television, acting in movies, acting in TV shows, as good of an acting job you've done throughout this whole Bloodline uh, story. However, you, you you can't be the one, big dog. Like you can't, you can't dethrone the tribal chief. You got your win in a tag team match against Roman and and um, and Solo. You got your pin. You got to pin Roman. To me, that's the win. People are underrating. Like to me, that is the W. But in a singles match, nah. He should beat the brakes off of Jay. Keep it pushing. So to me, nah. You can't have Jay. You can't have Jay winning. It's just no. To me, there's no argument for it, unless you're thinking just emotion. And I get that this thing started with Jay and they should end with, they think that it should end with Jay, but no, not if you're talking about for those who have been here from week to week since 2021. Sure. Those fans are going to think it should end with Jay, but for the casual fan who just started watching wrestling again, maybe last year, they don't give a damn about what happened in 2020. They want Roman to be beat by someone who deserves to have that title and to then carry it on. Right, because let's say let's say Jay wins, right? Let's say he wins. What's gonna happen next? Nothing. Nothing. Let's say Gunther loses his intercontinental title, and then Gunther goes, "Okay, Jay Uso, I I want a shot at your belt, bro." He would murder that kid. He would murder Jay Uso, literally murder, and then it all be for naught. It would all be for a moment, and I think that's what I'm saying. Like. I, what I respect about Triple H is he, he loves a moment, but he he wants you to he wants to build a moment. He doesn't want to just satisfy fans, just like what he did with L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight didn't win the the um, U.S. title qualifier match, uh, challenger qualifier match. He didn't even win that one, right? Uh, Santos Escobar did. Shout out to Santos. Santos is killing it, but. Like the fans wanted LA Knight to win it because they wanted him to go on to then beat Austin Theory. But it's like triple I trust Triple H. Triple H is not stupid. He understands who's over. He understands who isn't. He understands 
he understands when we have a temporary moment uh, that can be that we can move on from. And also he understands a moment that deserves to have it fulfilled. And I think in this case, I don't think Jay does he deserve it. Maybe storyline wise. Sure. But if I, as a businessman, no, you cannot take that belt off of Roman Reigns unless it is at WrestleMania and against an opponent who can take that belt and carry it on for a year or so, you know? So that's my spiel on it, but yeah, looking forward to how they go about this at SummerSlam. I'm definitely going to be tuning in and you'll definitely hear my thoughts on our, uh, when we do our SummerSlam review. All right, folks, let's finish it out here. Now we're going to do our top fives. Of course, got to top five right now is my top five favorite in-ring wrestlers, right? So this isn't necessarily personalities. I have MJF is one of my favorite personalities. Um, Adam Cole now, you know, um, Chad Gable, um, LA Knight, you know, so many different people out there who I'm, I love their character. I love what they do on the mic. I love the character in general. But this particular list is my favorite in-ring wrestlers, right? And some of these guys I really love as an overall character. But right now we're talking about when that bell rings, who's my top favorite, top five favorite to watch week to week. Um, we have a few honorable mentions, but we'll kind of touch on those at the end. But number five for me, Swerve Strickland. My boy Swerve. Whose house? Swerve's house. But yeah, Swerve, Swerve is one of the more underrated wrestlers just in general, bro. Like Swerve used to be in NXT, killed it there, but never really got the push he deserves. He, got, he was actually held the North American uh, title in NXT. But again, it was during the pandemic era, so he didn't get the type of shine he should have got. He got called up. but it, Oh, actually, I want to say, yeah, he left AEW before he got called up. And honestly, I think if he would have got called up, dude would have been, I think he's a superstar wherever he goes, Swerve Strickland. But I think him and AEW would have killed it. Hopefully they would have got him away from Hit Row and let him build his own thing and maybe even join the Hurt Business. But uh, yeah, man, Swerve Strickland is one of the most talented guys in the ring uh, we have. Uh, his finisher, that kick, oh my God. It, it just looks so devastating, bro. So basically... If you're sitting, uh, his opponent's kind of sitting down on their ass and they're they're kind of leaning up, and he basically just jumps up and just busts you right in the side of your head with a, with a with a kick, and it sounds so good. He like you know you know yeah he slaps the leg when he kicks. All all wrestlers do when they do the you know the super kick or any of these other kick big boot any of that. Um, you know Drew McIntyre does it. You know what I mean. But when he does the claymore, but yeah, swerves look nice, bro. That thing looks devastating. And I just think overall he can do – there's nothing in the ring he can't do. He can hang with cruiserweights. He can also hang with the light heavyweights, you know. And so, man, Swerve, man, he just – and he's authentic, right? Swerve is – he's a dude – he looks like a rapper. Like he wants to look like a rapper, which sometimes, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of. I've talked about that before. But with Swerve, it's authentic. You know what I mean? Isn't It isn't a guy who – isn't a rapper who doesn't live that lifestyle who they're telling to be that character. No, this is Swerve. Like, if you heard any of his interviews, he's really connected in the hip-hop community. Like, Swerve been about this life. You know what I'm saying? 
not in the streets, but like music wise. And so, yeah, he's up from, I think Swerve is from Seattle and like dude is old, one of the more talented wrestlers in the world, honestly. Like he should definitely get more love. I would love to see him get more like a title, like a title uh, around his waist, maybe TNT, maybe even the international uh, championship. He went against Orange Cassidy and, and um, they had some great matches against each other and some great moments in that Royal Rumble. And yeah, I would just suggest those out there who haven't seen him swerve Strickland, one of the best wrestlers in the world, honestly. Like I, I don't say that much, but Honestly, Swerve is up there with anybody. He can he can go with the best of them. He can hang with Seth Rollins. He can hang with, you know, Finn Balor. He can hang with anybody you name. He can hang with, you know, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, any of them. Swerve can hang, you know. And Swerve is like your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. That's how much respect he has. He garners. So my number four, my boy, big bad Brody King. That's an outstanding name. Big, bad Brody King. I kind of talked about earlier, uh, the House of Black is a faction of like the most like I, I, what I love about House of Black is like what you think of when you think of like some dudes who I mean, it sounds like what it is. House of Black. Right. It's very inspired by like Game of Thrones type of stuff. And they're yeah, they just look cool, bro. Their music is dope. But what I love about Brody King, you know me. If you know me, you know I love a big guy who can wrestle, a big guy who holds no punches. Um, and that's who Brody is. Brody, bro, he will chop your chest off. No matter how big you are, he will chop the hell out of you. And then when he started doing that barking, like the crowd just goes crazy. Because you know when he do that, that means he about to run full speed into somebody and uh, freaking do a front flip. And dude is like, for those of like Brody King is like 6'5, about 285. You know what I'm saying? Big guy can move. And yeah, when he basically, you know, he gets the guy in the uh on the turnbuckle, they're kind of laid back, kind of like in the position Kishi used to have guys in. He ain't doing the ass stuff, but you know what I mean? The guy's like on the uh sitting down in the, against the turnbuckle and Brody starts barking. You like, oh shit, here it come. He runs full speed, kind of does the Kevin Owens front flip. It kind of like lets his back kind of hit the guy, bro. That at full speed, Brody don't again. That's what I love about Brody. Some guys they slow up a little bit, do a little front flip, but they really don't hit the guy. Now, Brody, I don't know if Brody is like beloved in the locker room or if dudes are just scared of him. But, bro, if that Brody, I'd have to see Brody after the match, bro. Some of the shit he be doing, I'd be like, bro, you got Brody, you got to see me, bro. I might get my like, you got to see me in the locker room, fam, because. Doobie don't care, but I think he's just beloved in the locker room and they, they guys trust him so much because he's just such a good worker. But man, he was he was doing some stuff to Billy Gunn last week that I was like, God, dog, like Billy Gunn kind of old, bro. You ain't got to do him like that. But yeah, man, I, I just think Brody King is a superstar. Like, I think I love that he's a part of House of Black. I do not want him to defect from House of Black. But I do think he had a little singles run there. He actually won, I think, in 2021 or 2022. Uh, he won a Royal Rumble, like solo Royal Rumble. And he, like, did a headlock to Darby Allen and he, on the side of the ropes. And, like, to eliminate him, he, like, basically hung him in a headlock. It looked dope. I had never seen anybody do that before. 
and he dropped Darby and Darby was asleep and he hit the ground. And then of course he was technically eliminated and Brody won the Royal Rumble. And like, he got a little bit of a run there, but to me, I need him to like get away from Darby a singles competition and like, Hey, let's, let's have the house of black lose, maybe potentially lose these trio championships. And then each one of them go on some like singles journey Still keep the House of Black. I do not want to break that up. I think it's a really cool faction. But Brody deserves to be the monster of AEW. Like, they really, AEW really hasn't had a monster. AEW is more about smaller guys. Not necessarily, they, they love a cruiserweight, don't get me wrong. But their main talent is, like, the light heavyweights. You know, the Kenny Omegas, the Brian Danielsons, the Chris Jericho's, the things that, MJF, Adam Cole. So, I think... To you to truly take AEW to the next level, you gotta have a monster. You gotta have a guy who, when when his music hits, the champion goes, "Oh shit!" Like, oh hell no! Like, I gotta go up against him. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like when dudes back in the day when they was on SmackDown and Teddy Long was like, "Okay, brother, uh, you going up against the Undertaker?" You know, and the fear that got into those people's eyes when they knew they had to face Undertaker. That's what I think Brody King can do. Now, he's not like the mystical force. I don't think he needs any of that. But the same thing, like Brody King is a monster and they need to treat him that way. Personally, I think uh, he has all the talent to be that guy. All right. Number three, I kind of talked about him earlier, so I'll keep it short. But Zach Sabre Jr., bro, one of my favorites in the ring. One of my favorite. He's he got that British like cocky. Like he'll be putting you in a move and be like, yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. And then, like, talking shit to him, like, it's just really fun to watch, bro. He ain't got no physique. His physique is weird looking. He got an odd looking body, but dude is a superstar. And I think AEW, if they're smart, I would be like, or WWE, I'd be like, yo, whenever your contract is up, come over here, bro. Like, you're too good. You should be in front of a larger audience. Um, And so, yeah, Zack Sabre Jr., I could watch him wrestle all day. Dude is amazing. I think he's the New Japan New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Champion, which is kind of a new belt they came up with pretty recently, and he's defended it really well. And uh, I'm hoping, from what they kind of tease with Forbidden Door, that he comes back to AEW to make a few more appearances pretty soon. Um, number two, FTR. FTR, man. I've. It's funny, I was talking, when we were talking to Pat last week about it, FTR, I was I was a fan, and I and I loved their style because again they reminded me of the old school days, kind of the four horsemen level, Arn Anderson and and you know some of his tag teams and kind of that old methodical style of of tag team wrestling, and you know I I really love that stuff, but for some reason when they were in the WWE main roster, I didn't get that. I got the vibe when they wrestled, but they weren't they were kind of disrespected, honestly. Like we talked about, like um, Vince never really saw much in them. So he kind of had them doing jobber stuff. Like he had them losing the teams they shouldn't lose to. He had them losing the teams they could out-wrestle at any point. Um, he had them, you know, being like punching bags for old-ass legends who came back. It was just, it was just really bad. Um, and so I feel like it was like a jolt of energy when they came back and when they came to AEW, because it was like, oh, shit, like these guys now get to show they are literally 
one of the top three or four tag teams in the world. And, you know, the rivalry they have with the Briscoes and the titles they, you know, they them dudes is collecting championships over in Mexico, Ring of Honor, Impact, um, obviously AEW, even New Japan. Like, them dudes is racking up t- championships. And it was for a reason. Um, their finisher is really cool. Um, they're a true tag team. And the cool thing about it is, like, even seeing each one of them by themselves as solo matches, that's still fun to watch. Like, they're really good wrestlers, but they, they're they kind of that old school, like, New Japan build, like, really big, thick, muscular guys. They're not out here trying to do dives off the rope or, you know, any of that stuff. Like, them dudes just trying to beat the hell out of you. And, again, like I've said a million times in this, this uh, podcast, I love that stuff. So... You know, I love violence. I love a good good amount of violence that, that makes sense. You know, and uh, FTR, just much respect to those guys. I could watch them tag team against anybody. Again, that match, that FTR match we talked about, uh, wrestling match of the week last week against uh, FTR versus Bullet Club Gold is one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a long time. You know, even like to me, I'd put that match up against the WrestleMania night one main event with uh, KO. Sami Zayn versus the Usos. Like, I'd put that up there with that one. Uh, it didn't have, like, the the pageantry of a WrestleMania, but, like, if we're just talking about in the ring, I'd put it up with that one. Uh, it was really good. And, you know, obviously it was two out of three falls. So a tag team match, two out of three falls, that just – that sounds interesting in itself, no matter who's in it. But to then have someone as talented as FTR in it, like, that just takes it to another level. Um, and then number one, I mean – it's kind of a cop out, but this is a Gunther sponsored podcast. I will say, like we we're we're a supporter, we're a stand podcast for Gunther, uh, and this will always be that way. But yeah, Gunther number one, um, dude is just. I mean, it's like watching Tim Duncan grab a basketball, walk on the NBA floor the first time, or watching again. Peyton Manning walk into a football field the first time. Like, the dude is just that damn good. He's just that gifted in a ring. It's not really fair. Honestly, when you watch him against other guys, you're just like, how did this dude, how did he get this good? Like, how is he this talented? How is he this ferocious? How is he like, and then, like, when he was Walter, I loved him. When he was big, overweight, I loved him. But then now he's he's to the point where he's in shape. He's even a better character being Gunther. Um, yeah, man, dude is just he's. The, I mean, he's the best wrestler in the world to me personally. I know some people think it's Gun uh, Kenny Omega and think it's you know uh, Okada, a few other people. That's fine. You can think what you want. That's your opinion. But to me, Gunther is the best in the business right now. Um, I think he's the next big champ. I can't wait till he's uh, – my hope is is that Gunther maybe loses the IT, uh, the Intercontinental Championship to maybe like Dragunov or Chad Gable or someone like that around Royal Rumble. Gunther walks in pissed off, walks in the Royal Rumble pissed off and sets his sights on the championship, the main titles, the World Heavyweight or Universal Championship. And he walks in the Royal Rumble, demolishes everybody, wins it, calls his shot for maybe um, 
Seth Rollins or whoever's the world heavyweight champion at that time, and, or maybe even Cody. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing more world heavyweight, keep Cody maybe a little separate, but hopefully Gunther can win the world heavyweight title at WrestleMania uh, this year coming up. Maybe him versus Seth Rollins for the world heavyweight title. That would slap, bro. You're, that's That might be a classic before we even see it. You know what I'm saying? That, that thing would be amazing to watch. But yeah, Gunther's just that guy. He's just that guy. No, no, no more need to be said on that. All right, honorable mentions. My favorite of my top five favorite in-ring wrestlers right now, Ozzy Open. Ozzy Open is a tag team. They've been in New Japan. They've been in AEW a little bit. I think they just signed with AEW, like officially, but they were ring. I think they're now newly crowned Ring of Honor tag team champions, I believe. It's either Ring of Honor or Impact. I want to say it's Ring of Honor. But Ozzy Opens, man, they're really fun to watch. They're great. They're a classic overseas tag team. They just, they honestly, they just do it better over there, right? Like they take, they take tag team wrestlings a lot. They just do it better over there, honestly. I think we have some really great American board tag teams, but for some reason or another, man, them UK boys, them UK and Australian boys, that's Ozzy Opens from Australia, obviously, they just do it different with tag teams, man. And uh, I really lo- love to watch them. Another tag team is the Creed Brothers. I've talked about them a lot. Them boys, I could watch them all day. All day. Um, Brutus, like them dudes, both them guys have so much potential. Like, and so much potential to the point where if they went singles, I could definitely see both of them working out really on a, on a high level. But Creed Brothers, yeah, them dudes as powerful of a tag team as that as we've seen honestly like them dudes them dudes actually wrestle in wrestling like collegiate wrestling gear like that's how you know they they about that action they kind of remind me of the old like steiner brothers uh i think that's kind of the aesthetic they're going for uh next obviously orange cassidy now i want to address something my boy pat last week um slander Orange Cassidy's name, and I will not have that. I, w- I won't have it. Orange Cassidy is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He is our intercontinental champion. He has defended that championship uh, and has one of the best title reigns of anybody in the year of 2023. And, yeah, year of our Lord. And I would just say, yeah, this this podcast is also a slash. This podcast is a Gunther and Orange Cassidy appreciation podcast, and it will always be that way. So yeah, Pat, fuck off. This is a, this is we will not have any more of that slander. Yeah, because I had a homie ask me about that. I was like, well, you know what? You're right. I didn't defend his honor the way I should have. And yeah, we don't do that. Orange Cassidy is one of the best in the world. And lastly, on my honorable mention, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, man, like I'm so happy for Samoa Joe, bro. Like, so I. I feel like Samoa Joe is like my spirit, spirit wrestler. Like, you know, some people say a spirit animal. Samoa Joe, kind of like Gunther is now, but Samoa Joe, I feel like he's my spirit wrestler. Like, he's a wrestler I wish I could be. If I was a wrestler, that's the gimmick I would go with. Just a animal, a machine of, of violence, but also extremely smart, ex- extremely, like, uh, knowledgeable and you know, intuitive and understands like, all right, I'm trying to win championships. How do I do that? If I got to cheat, all right, cool, whatever. 
you know, if I got to beat somebody's ass, cool, let's do it, you know. And so Samoa Joe, like, during his run in, like, TNA and stuff, I missed that. For some reason or another, I was not tapped into the to the TNAs of the world. I was, I think by that time, I kind of, you know, ducked away a little bit as far as wrestling is concerned, like, week to week. But then when he got to NXT, I'm like, okay, I, I know this Samoa Joe guy, and I'm pretty sure I like him. And he grew on me a lot there. I became a big-time fan of NXT. And so after that, he went to the main roster. I was like, oh, like, bet. I'm, that match, bro, one of my favorite matches is it's him, it's Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, and um, Brock Lesnar for the World Heavyweight or for the championship. And, bro, that match was hella fun. Like, that match was amazing. Like, people go check that match out, bro. Like, People act like Braun Strowman can't have a good match, like or Brock or any of these guys. Go check that match out. That was hella fun. And like, yeah, and Samoa had so many great moments on the main roster. He should have won the championship belt on the main roster. It was just because, you know, of course, Vince McMahon didn't like, you know, an overweight uh champion, but Samoa Joe should have won the championship back then. And he kind of got had some injuries, came back down kind of took some time off, came back to NXT, um, was killing dudes, won the championship, got hurt again, then started doing, like, calling on the booth, was actually a really good commentator uh, when he wasn't wrestling. And then I think he came back again, got hurt, and then got released from WWE during kind of at the end of the, of the pandemic and then showed up to AEW, and I'm like, man, Please, bro, just let this man get hatch a break. Please. And, bro, did he ever. Dude has been killing it for AEW. Killing it. Um, he's one of the few people that has made the TNT title interesting. Um, he made the um, Ring of Honor television title interesting. Uh, his match with CM Punk was great on AEW Collision. One of the better, you know, opening matches we've seen as far as that Owen Hart tournament. Yeah, Samoa is just... Amazing, bro. His his match with Roger Strong was great. It's just I, I just really hope Samoa can stay healthy because if he does, like the sky's the limit, dude. Like he deserves to be on a on a main platform in front of big crowds. That's how much of a star he is, and that's how good he is, and how good he's been for years. That's why like people love Samoa Joe because they know he put in that work for a long time and has been great when healthy. Has been great throughout. You know, so he's one of the few people, bro, back in WWE days, one of the few people I was like, during that run, I thought could beat Brock Lesnar. That I thought Brock Lesnar literally looked at with a little bit of, like, real-life respect, you know. And so, Samoa Joe, got to be up there. I'll watch any Samoa Joe match uh, out there, uh, rather when he was younger and even up to today, I'll watch it. So, yeah, that is my top five favorite in-ring wrestlers right now. Again, to run it back, number five, Swerve Strickland. Number four, Big Bad Brody King. Number three, Zack Sabre Jr. Number two, the tag team, actually the AEW tag team champions, FTR. And number one, the ring de nada, Gunta. So, yeah, those are top five favorite in-ring. If you have anybody, let me know your top five favorites. Let me know. You know, who you rocking with in the ring right now? You know what I'm saying? Again, this is not about 
characters. We all know we all love L.A. Knight. We all love all these different people. But let me know who you love watching in the ring. Who gets you excited to watch in the ring combat? You know what I'm saying? So let me know. Hit me up in our Facebook group, the League of Melanated Gentlemen podcast, um, on Twitter or X or whatever the hell Elon Musk wants to call it, the at the LMG podcast. Um, And yeah, hit us up. Um, You can always also check us out. Hit up the comments on our YouTube uh, at the uh, the LMG podcast or the League of Melanated Gentlemen podcast. You can find it either way. If you have your top five there, like, review, and comment. Let, let, let me know. You know what I mean? I always love to go back and forth with folks. Um, I'm really, I'm really appreciate all the love on the podcast. I really appreciate everybody who's ever listened and continues to listen. I really appreciate it. This is a love project for me. So anybody who listens, I, I truly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I just love that like more people that I even talk to around me who are taking in more wrestling and, you know, taking in, you know, I'll send a, a Gunther. They're like, yo, Gunther, you know, Gunther, nice, bro. Or Chad Gable or, you know, Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, all this different stuff, you know. And so I'm really, I'm just glad that like people are, you know, really into wrestling right now. Again, there's been a big debate on is wrestling as big as it was in the Attitude Era or is it even more popular than it was in the Attitude Era? It's a little kind of a hard, it's kind of a LeBron MJ argument. I think that argument is kind of easy, honestly. But in this case, it's totally different factors, totally different era, totally different, you know, I mean, social media, you know, TVs change, all that stuff changed. But the main point is wrestling is killing it right now. Um, and so if you were a wrestling fan and you went away for a while, I would say come back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We'll, we'll greet you back with open arms. You know, take a seat. The, the the doors of the church are open. You know what I mean? As my mama would say. And so, yeah, come back. It's, it's really good right now, week to week. Uh, that's AEW. That's WWE. That's New Japan. That's Impact, Ring of Honor, all these different places. It's really is really doing well right now. Like we're in a very, we're kind of in a golden era, low key. And so, yeah, if you're a wrestling fan or if you know somebody who was a wrestling fan, who you know, who you knew really loved wrestling, but kind of fell off due to, you know, the 2000s and late 2000s, 2010s, were kind of trash, tell them to come back and maybe even shout out the podcast. If you do, I appreciate it. But yeah, until next time, we out. Yeah.